Welcome to SoFlow by Lucas Millar. <laughs> Lucas's latest collection of 13 short stories, ranging from the gross and silly to heart-wrenching thrillers of cosmic proportions. Join Lucas as he takes you beyond the beaches and shows you the dark side of the Sunshine State. Welcome to SoFlow, a collection of weird Florida horror by Lucas Millar. Available January 14th, 2024. Brought to you by the Evil Cookie Publishing. Hello and welcome to Deadhead Space. If it's your first time here, please hit the subscribe and like button. If you're returning, welcome back. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, and friends, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, sir. And our other friend, Candace Nola. Say hello, Candace. Hello. We are looking back at uh, season four last year. It's called Best of Season Four. Um, before we jump into episodes and books, let's talk about what you two have been up to. Um, we'll start with you, Candace. How's, in a nutshell, how has uh, last year been for you? In a nutshell, <laughs> um, hugely, massively overwhelming. There you go. I didn't expect that. I, I had myself on you. <laughs> you. You said it in a nutshell. <laughs> Did you want me to? That's elaborate? true. That does mean short. That's true. Uh, let's see bullet point style. Like like dark disasters was a short. great anthology. Okay, you know, just take over. <laughs> oh. Let me see. Um, Project-wise, right? So the anthology came out, which I think went over very well. Um, I became a indie press officially. I signed four authors, possibly one more floating around to be announced here in a couple in a month or so. Um, but I signed four. Um, I put out, oh, wow, um, 13 projects of my own, I think. Ooh, and I'm in 12 anthologies coming out here in the next couple of months alone. And yeah, it was a busy year. Do you have a favorite of the books you wrote? Um. Desperate Wishes hmm. was my favorite thing that I wrote this year as far as an author really coming into like my own like voice and style and the type of stories I want to tell. Hmm. Um, favorite thing to write that amused the hell out of me was probably the Unicorn Kick Killer. Yeah. Everybody knows how that went over. <laughs> And obviously, if Elijah Wood's listening, because obviously, why wouldn't he? Obviously, he should play, take up Candace and uh, play Frank, because he, Frank I just, I, I don't know if you guys saw the first Sin City movie, but he, Elijah Wood played this just insane character as his body's getting dismembered. He's just sitting there and not reacting. I believe he was smiling in it. And I just, uh, that guy could play so many different roles, but Frank would be perfect for him. Mm hmm. Brennan, uh, Candace, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, actually. Is there anything yeah, okay. else? Okay. 
Uh, Brennan, how about you, buddy? Is it okay if I do it in nutshell bullet points? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Walnut shells. Um, walnut shells. Those are pretty big nutshells. Um, so kind of the first notice, notable thing I did was uh, in March of last year, um, Stephen Kozanowski and Kaylee Dobbs at French Press uh, put out my first story collection. It was very kindly blurbed uh, by among a few very well-respected and notable authors, uh, Candace. Um, and she had some very kind words and helped me get that thing out in the world. And it's gotten, I, I'm, I'm happy with the reception from it. And probably my big, uh, <laughs> my favorite thing that I did last year was finishing off the Slattery Falls trilogy, getting that out in the world. Um, and I, I'm, I still want to see that, you know, fall into more hands, but the people who stuck with it from book one all the way to book three, uh, to hear, you know, their reaction that, Hey, this is, this is, this is worthy of my time. You know, I'm actually, I'm not pissed off that I, you know, read all the way here and you dropped the ball. Um, it's a, it's a very good feeling. And then to see that collected in the thunderstorm edition, um, that had Francois Valencourt's beautiful artwork on the cover. Um, oh, couldn't be happier. Uh, and I also released a novella called Last Stay, uh, finally something that wasn't in a series. And um, I feel like maybe one of the best things I did in 2023 is really started to feel confident in my short story writing. I think that in especially, you know, it was the second half of the year, I wrote two or three of my favorite short stories that I've, that I've put together. So, I mean, I've got that collection that I'm immensely proud of, but at the same time, I, I feel like I'm still getting better at it. And it's just, it's, it's an upward trajectory from here. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. And now since I spent most of the last year writing in 1880s wild West Arizona, now I'm getting back to stuff that doesn't take place there and trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. Nice. Um, for me, uh, my most, the favorite thing that I did was uh, put out hot iron and cold blood. Well, I didn't put it out. That's said press did, but um, first, my first uh, anthology as an editor. And I really found another column that um, besides writing in the podcast that I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I want to keep doing this. And uh, I got a team that all my writers that, um, you know, were happy with the results. So that's all, you know, that's the best you could uh, ask for. Um, help me out here, guys. What's Kevin J. Kennedy's anthology that we were all in this year? The non nonfiction one. Oh, it was uh, Inside, Inside the, the Indie the Horror indie World. Glory. Yeah. Inside the, Inside indie the world, world of Indie Horror. Yeah, so actually... Forgot to bring this up, but there was someone on our YouTube channel that found us wow. through that book. Um, mm. I'm guessing it was through mine because it talks about the show, but it maybe not. Maybe it was another. But I thought that was cool. I'm like, all right, I didn't, I didn't expect that. Um, I enjoyed that. That was that's got a hell of a list of you know peers on there talk about all different aspects of uh of writing and being in the indie world. Um, Brennan, take the baton, sir. Baton is taken. So um, I, 
I, I don't love spending too much time right here, but I think it's always worth it when we say best of season four, you know, we want to talk about books and, you know, no matter how well known an author we have on here, and we certainly want to hear their take on writing and their take on their own literature. The const, the most constant feedback we get from listeners is they just love hearing people talk about their experience with other people's books, gush about books. So I want to get to that point, but this would not be a best of season four episode if we didn't mention some of our favorite episodes. So mm. r- right off the bat, one that jumps out to me is uh, the season four premiere uh, we had on Rachel Harrison, um, mm. who is, uh, I fell in love with her work. We had her on because she is such a rising star in the genre and uh, we were interested in her book, Such Sharp Teeth. And I got about halfway through that and I put it down and I went to the bookstore and I just picked up everything with her name on it. Um, I think I read it all over the course of a week and a half before we had her on um, and, you know, started out, we, we had her on, uh, started up a correspondence with her and she's, you know, become somebody I, whose voice I trust implicitly uh, in horror and also just somebody who's proven really kind and generous with their time. So to kick, you know, the season off with an episode like that, I think was really, really cool for me. Um, Candace, do you have an episode or two or three that you kind of look back on and kick yourself? <laughs> Say, this is a little surreal, you know? Pinch yourself might be better than kick yourself. <laughs> um, how about all of them? Hmm. <laughs> That's a little um... cheap, but... <laughs> well, for me, it's kind of a twofold answer there because one, doing this is one of the things I never thought I would ever be capable of doing. So every episode that I'm actually on and I don't come off sounding like a complete lunatic pleases me a great deal. But then the people that we have on the amount of people we have on that I would have never had the chance to speak with, to ever interact with, to engage with. And I get to be a part of this and actually speak with them and interview them and like talk about their books and learn from them as much as I get to like kind of get to know them and establish a more personal relationship with them. Uh, for example, the Karen Slaughter episode is mm. one of my favorite episodes. I felt like you were going to say that, too, because I know how much you love her. Yeah. So that one, for, I think that one and the Owen King episode for me this year were two of the largest episodes for me that felt like, whoa, what am I doing here? Why, <laughs> why am I on here? And just these two massive names that I, you know, got to have this conversation with. So, yeah, I think that those were two of my just wow. Um, But even just the last month, we had uh, Paula Ash on and Rowan Hill and Tosh Mallerman and Tyler Jones and all, all these people that are making huge names for themselves right now and they're so helpful and they're down to earth and you can reach out to any of them and you can ask questions you can say hey what do you think of this and 
hey, thanks for sending me that art because we get to read things that the rest of the world don't get to don't <laughs> get to, you know, at that time. And I gotta sit and wait. It's just amazing. So I mean all of them, yeah, but my two largest ones I think would have to be Ellen King and Karen Slaughter for various reasons that you guys already know about. But that I think that whole conversation with her kind of left me in awe. So yeah, yeah. Now I got a couple more I would I'd love to throw out if Pat doesn't have them, but I'm going to throw it to him first. Mm-hmm. Um. My number one, it's in a category just with Peter Straub, and that's Don Winslow. It's it's different because, like, Brennan and I had built up. It's weird to still fucking say this, but we're friends with him, and it's just, that's not me, like, truly bragging. It's just, it's Peter, like, we had a good rapport. We had we didn't hit the friend status yet. I don't know if we ever would have, but with Don, he's still, like, I read his shit, and I'm like, I can never write this good and not to say a bunch of other people I feel that way about, but with, with, I think it's cause they're old enough where they're like father figures. Not, I'm not saying they are, but does that kind of make sense? Like I look up to them. It's a little bit different when you got a writer who's your age, you can still admire the hell out of them. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of not making sense, I guess. But with Don, he, especially with his cartel series, I, I don't know this. I've never asked him, but it feels like he probably isn't safe in parts of Mexico based on that book because of how true it is. To um... he's, he's talked about that. Um, oh, he has? Yeah. Yeah. And it and you're absolutely dead on. <laughs> what do he say? I'll tell you another time. That's a long story. But yeah, you're 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 on. <laughs> that makes sense. And you know what? I say it uh, maybe not much on the show, but like if you're going to write, you should be true to which you're right otherwise what's the point and that guy like he lost a lot of friends who were journalists and working on the drug cartel in mexico and um just it, the the book is one of the, the the trilogies is just so fucking powerful and really scary um him dennis lahane because lahane is for a guy from uh where he grew like in his neck of the woods i i've known of lane for a long long time i love his movies and the adaptations and shutter islands uh huge uh the book and the movie i love i love those and it was just kind of surreal talking to him um but at the same time he felt like a guy that i'm like that 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 easily he easily could have been one of my dad's friends because that's like the kind of guy he was surrounded by um and then the other one is mariana enriquez's episode with paul uh tremblay and john langan and candace you were talking about how you build relationships here. Brennan met John and uh, Merrimack last year. And I forget what he left uh, inscribed in a copy of his book to Brennan, but it was something where it's like an inside joke between friends. And I'm like, I say this to Brennan a lot. I probably say it to you, Candace, but the show, it has open doors and it's weird. It's weird. It's really weird. It's like going for almost five years. And uh, uh, God, I don't know. People want to listen. We get to talk to people that we admire, that we respect. And uh, yeah, I'm just rambling now. So, Brennan, take over, buddy. It's those three. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and frankly, you hit on 
three of them that I, if I sat here and named my favorites, all three of those are making it. Don Winslow, Dennis Lehane, and Mariana Enriquez. Um, and uh, the other one I would throw on that list is getting to talk to Chuck Palahniuk again. I mean, that's that's a literary icon that I have adored every word he's written for over 20 years. And to have had the honor to talk to him not one but three times um, is unparalleled. But actually, the other episode I want to bring up, um, and I think beyond it being a really, really cool idea for an episode, it's a great highlight of why we're so grateful to have Candace joining us, you know, pretty much throughout the entire year and extremely regularly, you know, the last eight months or so. Um, I'm thinking of the Rising Together panel, and mm. that was an episode that had a really cool premise. You know, let's let's make a panel of writers who are kind of finding their style, their voice, their niche, and a little bit of success along the way. And they're all doing it, you know, leaning on each other, supporting each other, and being there for each other. Uh, it's, it's a great idea for a panel, but when you add in, you know, that this was one of the first interviews that Laird Barron had done since, you know, he his hospitalization. It was the second uh, one, I believe, because it started yeah. off, but the first one was Mike Davis's uh, uh, Love, uh, Love Zine podcast, which yeah. makes sense because yeah. they're, they're like uh, uh, really close. Like in, uh, but Barrett. that was uh, now. I'm just you're, you're not going to stop, so I'm just going to talk over you. Um, but that um, that episode uh, was one that I was really looking forward to, and you know, for circumstances beyond my control, I wasn't able to make it. And to sit down in that listener chair and be able to experience that episode without having to worry, oh shit, what am I going to ask next? And just listen to you guys roll with it and kill it. Uh, was an experience. And like I said, I think that would have been a good panel just for the people on it and the topics at hand. Um, but I really think that you you both did a masterful job and there was some serious teamwork. Not that you couldn't have handled it by yourself, Patrick, but I think I think you yourself would admit it wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I said when... Can you up there? <laughs> yeah, I said uh, the show got better when you joined. It got even better when Erica joined. And then it got even better, better, betterer when Gandis joined. Because you all had a different element. It's like, you know, what to do a solo show by yourself, just a show, not even like any behind-the-scenes stuff, good or bad. It, it's a lot of work. And writing's a solo. I haven't felt like writing's been a solo act since I started co-writing my first time, and that was with Marcus Sell in 2019. But even more so with this show. I don't do it by myself. I only did a couple by myself without realizing that you were going to be part of it, Brennan. And then, you know, we talk all the time. We can lean on each other. We got other friends like that. Um, I hear other writers who are pretty much by themselves, and that's fine, but I like this more. Yeah, well said. All right. Um, if you guys are cool with it, unless you have something else to add, um, let's let's talk about books. So, uh, Candace, I'm going to throw it to you first. Give us give us a book, and we don't go we don't need to go in any like particular order, you know, top ten lists or any shit like that. Give <laughs> us a book that you read last year that you really enjoyed. Oh Jesus! Oh, 
<laughs> out of the 377 or <laughs> you were counting <laughs> I, I wasn't but i mean it's well over 350 i do know that much whoa oh wow um so many you want me to just start with one um <laughs> Okay. Enjoyable. One that I tore through would be Pillow Paste Rolls by Christopher Rufty. Um, was a continuation in his Pillow Face that he has the original, and then there's a couple other cross oh over ones but this one was like the actual part two and mm -hmm. the way it unfolds is just insane and it takes place the majority of it takes place at sort of like an author con horror convention type of deal that we are all very familiar with and it was just very well written and fast paced and just action packed and as far as an enjoyable, like, excellent read to just sit down and let something just pull you in, and it was just an insane read. That, that would be one of them. It's one that is definitely on my top ten. Um, My number one book of the year, hands down, and um, call me biased because I did publish it, but <laughs> it's Cuckoo by Mike and then talk. And of course, I can't talk now. We're going to blame that again. Mike but, yeah. Um, yes, thank you. You're welcome. It is a um, it is not strictly a horror story. It is as he writes it, it is a love story. But it is elements of everything a human will experience throughout the course of life and it encompasses all of that in this very beautifully written surreal dreamlike state that you can't help but just be immersed in the way he writes is unmatched the way he phrases the things he's trying to say the words he can string together in a sentence unlike what i'm doing right now it's just unmatched. Like top read of the year, number one, just excellent read of the year overall. Whether it's a horror story, an emotional story, it's definitely grief and love and loss, and it deals with all of that as well mm -hmm. as dealing with mental illness. And what all of those experiences look like through the eyes of somebody suffering through PTSD as well as severe bipolar episodes while being held as a prisoner of war. So take all of that and then you're this person finding yourself just unraveling as you're pretty much telling yourself your own story as a way to get through what's happening to you in the here and now. Yeah. And 
I I was lucky enough to to read that book earlier this year or later last year earlier sometime last year and I, I think you're absolutely dead on with all that description and one of the things that you stated first that hit me hardest was it's not horror and uh, you okay you could read it and you could say well that's horror and maybe that's horror and there's an element here but overall it's not a horror book but if you read through it and you say well this isn't scary well then you are missing the point so hard you might as well walk around with a blindfold on um and like you say it it beautifully if you can put that word on it demonstrates you know love loss and grief uh through the eyes of somebody with ptsd and you know uh who suffers from bipolar um but at the same time it is written in such a way that the mike's ability to emphasize shared experience makes it so that if you have never experienced those things even if you don't know anybody who is you're not close with anybody who's experienced those things it's an extremely empathetic and relatable book and you're going through these aspects of a relationship that everyone you know everyone who has ever you know loved or come close to it you know has experienced um yeah. so yeah that's a fantastic top choice i think yeah. and it makes it makes sense too like you write what you want to read, but like as a publisher, you publish what you want out there. So it makes sense that that's your favorite. Well, it went around the small presses and a lot of the large ones. And we had to wait for a good year before he decided to let me have it. But I actually was reading it while it was being written. And I knew within the first week or so of him sending me parts of it that he had a masterpiece on his hands. It's an absolute masterwork. And yeah, I, w I wanted it then. And if it wasn't for Mike, I don't think I would be a publisher now because he is what made me want to be a publisher Damn. because I so desperately wanted to see that book in the world that I took that on and I waited and I waited and I waited and I was like, okay, do you want me to do this? And like, he's why I'm where I, why I'm doing this now. You know, it's things like that. It's those rare stories that you just read. It. Like this needs to be out there. It needs to be seen. And I was amazed that it was passed over by the publishers that passed it over. It was yeah there's not enough words like it's one of those books you read all the way to the end and then you want to pick it up again and you want to experience it all over again as much as it hurts and as much as it cuts and as much as it makes you cry and there's times it makes you laugh but it's something that people will come back to again and again and again so and a great example of what a uh, subjective and finicky business publishing can be <laughs> Because yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it was amazing. So right. now, Patrick, every year you and I go back and forth and try and squeeze in recommendations before the other person takes them. So, would you like to uh, get? Oh, you won't, you won't say this or... one. I, I know you okay. won't say this one. Go ahead. Uh so Bob Ford and I uh, talk uh, whenever we talk. We talk about books pretty much always, and uh, 
He suggested I read Tough Shit by Kevin Smith. It's called Tough Shit, Life Advice from a Fat, Lazy Slob Who Did Good. Um, you, I mean, you two know. Kevin Smith and George Romero, those are my two dudes. They've always been, like, to me, writing idols um, as a, a young teen through my adolescence is those two that, like, shaped me uh, as a writer. And just reading that book, it's a biography, reading behind the scenes. And I, I did the audio version. And uh, he read it, which I love. I love when uh, non, at least nonfiction books, when the writer reads. Um, and it just, it's just a uh, regular guy. I mean, he's super successful now. I mean, I, I, I met him last year, for those that don't know, because uh, I'm in Jersey. I'm about an hour and a half of this movie theater that he bought that was going out of business that he would go to all the time with his father when he was a kid with his friends um he wanted to see it not go out of business so he bought it and um i paid for the vip package to meet him after and this this was him he was just to everyone and for audio listeners he was uh just when it was your turn he hugged you i almost cried like i legit almost oh. cried i told him i'm like before that i i was talking with joe and keith lansdale about a project and i said all right i mean kevin smith and I'm like, Joe, I gotta ask you, you probably are bombarded all the time with fans. Like, any advice? Because I don't want to sound silly. And he said, just tell them how you feel. And then I did. I was like, I was like, Kevin, I love you. You're a hero of mine. You're why I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I'm pretty sure he said he loves me too. Like, that's how he is. He loves his fans. I want to be him. And I always have wanted to be him. And same with George Romero. Because, and Which is cool. We got Candace for another reason because uh, he's he did his famous movies in Pittsburgh and that's where she is and uh, I just uh, those two guys because I watch a shitload of interviews and behind the scenes they always just did what they loved are always nice to everybody and had a good time and that's who I want to be and I get to do that with you too so I'm gonna cry now so you go next Brian. Yeah, no more sappiness. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try. I can't promise. <laughs> I don't know what's right. wrong with me. I'm going to throw out a book that I am fairly positive is on everybody's list here uh, to, in some capacity. Uh, Daniel Krause's Whale Fall. Um, oh, God, yeah. One of the, not not just the best books I've read. If I had to, I hate taking lists and, you know, numbering them. But if I did... This would be, if not number one, a tie for number one. Um, and it's legit one of the best books I've read in a long time. Um, and I was really interested to see that it didn't make the preliminary for best novel at the Stokers, but I do wonder if that's because it's not traditional horror. You know, it could be marketed as a survival thriller. Uh, it could be marketed as literary, honestly. Uh, it yeah. certainly has, you know, Moby Dick blood running through it. But it's it's one of those books where the premise, I remember we talked to Daniel maybe a year before it came out, and he hit us with the premise and, you know, some of the research he had put into it. And it was intriguing. It sounded like a fantastic thriller. And then when you get your hands on it, it's just the, the depth you know, is so much more than just that. Um, it's it, it it feels like something that you know John Steinbeck could have written, but at the same time, it does have that immaculate pacing. 
Um, the dual timelines. The, the emotional heart is, yeah, dual timelines are wonderfully done. And the emotional yeah. heart is just unparalleled. Um, it's one of those where if you, <laughs> again, if you read it and said, well, this isn't scary, you missed the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you haven't read it, like you just, you have to, because it's, it's, so <laughs> I hate to call it, the, you, you hate to use those like, um, cliche blurb terms it, it's a tour de force it's a you know it's an event it's an experience but man like this book it, it is all that um mm -hmm. so my unfettered recommendation for whale fall mm -hmm. yeah if you think it's not horror you need to remember <laughs> where it's taking place mm. <laughs> because that is horrific all by itself while everything else is unfolding need to remember where it's unfolding as your main piece of your horror element and then it just brings all the rest of that with it while he's going through this experience yeah werewolf is in my top five and i'll yeah. throw maybe there. two or three like number two or three for sure but yeah i'll throw in there it's cosmic horror and maybe it's just me not seeing it but uh to 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 not consider like deep sea stuff if you don't consider that cosmic that's crazy and i'll throw in my anchor point which is lovecraft like arguably the grandfather of weird fiction cthulhu and all those uh elder gods they're down in the sea most of them <laughs> um and the deep sea it it's like space like we don't understand most of it there's shit there that will just they don't care about us. It's, it's just a whole, it, it feels like a different planet. Um, and the fact that what the main character goes through is just that that's not scary. I don't know. I don't know. That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's not horror mostly comes from that surface level description. You read the back cover and if you, unless you're, you know, us who are entrenched in this stuff all day, every day, you might not necessarily say, oh, this is a horror book. You're going to mm -hmm. call it a thriller. You're going to call it something like that. But, you know, I, I fully agree with you, too. It, it has all the elements and then some. And, mm -hmm. you know, Patrick, and, well, first of all, when we had Daniel Krauss on, he confirmed that it was cosmic horror. So, I mean, that's not much of a jump. But, you know, cosmic horror is, you know, whether it's other dimensions or whatever, it's the unexplored and unknowable. And that's the mm -hmm. bottom of the fucking ocean. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, are yeah. correct. <laughs> Candice, you got another Candace, one that... Sorry, Brian. That's okay. I'm in charge here. Uh, Candice, <laughs> would you like to throw out another one? Um, God, I can't think, and I hate being put on the spot. Um, Another one, another one, another one. So, all of Ash, we are here to hurt each other. Mm -hmm. Astounding. Yeah, Clive, it, it's Clive Barker S for sure. It's on my top five. It, it, it's on the top ten list, but it is in that upper. She's probably number four or five. I fell in love with her after was, that episode. Yeah, and that she's episode was great. Awesome. She's yeah. amazing. Oh my god, she was absolutely amazing. The way she writes is just like upper level top-notch things that I have not been able to reach yet and it's just like 
it was one of those things that you read that makes you want to wish you wrote it or could write something equally match. And you're just like, this is just, this is amazing. Yeah. And to actually get to speak with her about that. And God, we had such a fun show with her too. Like it was just great. So, she said she's a fan of yeah. us. I, I still can't get over I that. Know. <laughs> but she's in my top five. So if you haven't read her, then you absolutely need to read that one. So hmm. Yeah. And I'll throw in I the 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 prose is just next level. It was mm. it's one of those where Absolutely. I feel like if if I wrote a sentence and I spent a month just refining that sentence, it still wouldn't touch, you know, the dullest one on one of her pages, you know. <laughs> Patrick, you want to throw out something else? I'm going to steal something that I know you got and that's the non-reviews dues the reformatory and You bet. Her episode, just real quick, with her husband, Stephen Barnes, was awesome because they talked about books, but mainly, and I love this, they talked about each other. And I'm pretty sure that's how I, the first question I asked, but they talked about how much they love each other. And they talked about, um, Stephen talked about when he was trying to impress uh, a young Tanana Reeve and how uh, he was talking about having his, his daughter and... It's just he's hilarious, and that you can tell they're just in love. They both love what they do, and all three of them are just a big happy family. It's so cute. Um, but her book, The Reformatory, that's something that I really think it, if it's not gonna end up in school, I mean, stupid joke, but it's probably gonna be banned in Florida until, which is fucked up because like that's where she's from right now or lives or whatever, but. Um, in all seriousness, that's not a funny joke. Um, it is a book that should be taught in schools. It's it's one of those books where my dad gave me this book when I was a kid. It's called Black Like Me. I forget the author, but it was basically uh, I'm pretty sure a white kid living in a black kid's shoes or something. It's been a long time. And it's just one of them books where like still remember it. I don't even know how young I was, but I still remember it because it leaves an impression on you. And it kind of pulls you back and make you think like at the end of the day, we're just talking about kids and it don't everyone. This should be universal. Everyone should say like it should not be in harm's way. And the fact that like, just cause you're a different skin tone or whatever, it's so fucked up. I can't get over it. I sound like a kid talking about this. I'm sure. But like, it really just, it, it hits home and it just doesn't stop. But, uh, uh, it's not all bad at the end. Um, that one's just absolutely. It, it's. I don't know how she can top that. I'm. She's a phenomenal writer, but like, how can you top that? It's just so fucking good. No, I'm with you. If you didn't bring it up fast enough, I was going to get to that. That was an amazing book. It's getting all the laudits it deserves and you're even seeing people saying that it's uh you know not only like best of year lists but saying it's at the top of her body of work and it's like mm. that's a body of work um yeah. that is you know she's just an incredible writer with an incredible career mm -hmm. uh and you're absolutely right that the episode you know we didn't mention it just because <laughs> what we record like 52 fucking episodes this year and uh, um that was that was a top one even when we say here are our favorites you know even the ones hanging around at 11 or 12 or 52 
were still killer episodes, still had all of these elements that um, just make it worth, uh, you know, spending our time promoting horror people. Yeah. Um, that was episode, where'd you go? Oh, no, I just had it. Uh, I keep talking. I, I lost it. Were you going to count how many episodes we recorded last year? You don't have to do that. Nobody 50. cares. No, we got 50. Um, yeah, okay. See, I estimated I was close enough, and I didn't even have to yeah. wait for somebody else to talk. All right. Uh, I, I want to throw out a book that I, I don't think uh, you guys have on your list. Um, I want to throw out This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. Um, this was one I had, you know, just out with the family to Target, and I saw it on the shelf. I'd never read anything by Emma Straub, and I flipped it over. And the back cover tells me that this is, you know, about a, it, it gives me some details about time travel, but it also tells me this is about a girl coming to terms with her father who is dying. And I said, there has got to be some stuff about Peter. And I'm so intrigued to see, you know, what she has to say in that regard, as well as the fact that she's a very, very well-regarded writer in, in her own right. And I've never read anything by her. So I picked it up um, and got to it a few months later. And first of all, I mean, the writing is just so engaging. Her voice is incredible. And it's, you know, if you, if you pick her up thinking it's going to be like Peter, it's not, it's nothing like Peter Straub. It doesn't, it, 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 it's, um, it's not as dense. And I don't mean that as a, you know, um, as any kind of slight, uh, Peter's work you almost felt like you should be sitting at a mahogany desk with like by firelight to read his books and fully you know glean them and this is you know something you could take to the beach and enjoy every moment of but it's it's got this kind of like 11 22 63 uh, mixed with 13 going on 30 vibe to it so it's fun but it's got this sense of tragedy to it and there are certainly echoes of you know, you can tell that she's certainly processing uh, the fact that at this point in her life that her father was mortal um, and wasn't going to be around forever. And I love the book to death and it'd be on this list regardless. But there is a, I think, three page afterward where she talks about uh, her father and writing this book and uh, letting him read drafts and his notes and comments on it. And I kid you not when I tell you that it took me three tries to get through that three page afterward. I, I didn't make it through the first page and I had to close it. And like, I'm, you know, I said, what is this salty discharge um, <laughs> to go Seinfeld on you? And I, and, and I gave it a few minutes and I tried again and I couldn't even make it past the second page. It is, um, it, it's a beautiful book that is made all the more beautiful when you read that afterward and let all the puzzle pieces click. But at the same time, for the casual reader who picks this up at, you know, in the grocery store checkout line and has and never read a Peter Straub book, it still succeeds on its own merit. So it, it's it's one of those that's um, it's I, I love the story, but people who were familiar with Peter's work, I think, will find even a little bit more in there. Hmm. We got time for maybe one more book for from the three of us. Candice, you're up. So, the Out There Screaming anthology by Jordan Peele hmm. was an amazing read. 
that episode was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I I really not only did I enjoy every story in it and the different uh, authors it exposed me to that I hadn't read yet, but the way that they spoke about writing it and having to be a part of it and the fact that they didn't know that the anthology invite was from Jordan Peele until <laughs> after they agreed. I, I just thought that was just fantastic for whatever reason, kind of like a sneak attack. Like, hey, we want you to do this, but we can't tell you for who. And then after I was like, oh yeah, by the way. You know, it was just I, I I just loved everything about the amount of stories, the difference in each one of them. There was such an amazing range in that entire anthology that if you've not read it, you need to. If you want to read more authors of a non-white persuasion, you should read it and pick it up and expose yourself to a wide variety of authors mm. because I'll tell you what, I could read it five more times and be perfectly thrilled every time I read it. It was just amazing. So that that's probably on my top 10. Maybe Thank a little you. bit further down the list, maybe like number five or number six, but it's on the top 10 and that's not bad considering we're going with my earlier number of 377 79 whatever the hell that number was that I read <laughs> this year so yeah now not to put you on the spot but I'm going to put you on the spot uh, if you had to sell that anthology based on uh, give, give us like one or two stories that really make the whole thing worth the price of admission what, what would you say please I knew you were going to do that because I don't remember and, and the names. you still weren't ready for it. I was not. I don't remember story names that I'll well. accept authors. Just, huh? I said I'll accept authors because if no, you ask me remember. the same, I would tell you that N.K. Jemison's story was a really cool upfront edition. But I don't remember the name of the story. See, you were putting me in a spot. I do remember hers. Mm -hmm. um, this was the one Eyes, I think. Something Eyes. Yeah, um, I'm going to look it up real quick because now I want to be able to tell you the name of it because it, it was hers yep. and there was one, one other one that stuck with me really, really well. Oh, Patrick, same question um, while Candace looks it up. Yeah. What was the question? Uh, Erica texts me. Uh, Which one? Yeah, one or two stories that made made that anthology worth the price of admission. Yeah, Terrence's was my favorite. It was Terrence. <laughs> I love him. I've only met him that one time. He was awesome, but like he was amazing. I <laughs> I don't say this in any mean or bad way. That guy can talk. <laughs> yeah, he was so much fun though. His um his story was your happy place. It was the, one of those. It was one of those stories where I thought it was going to end, and then it didn't, and then it kept going. And I'm like, holy shit! 
This is so fucking good. And uh, he, he did like a mind. Yeah. He did he a talk, mind fuck. Before we even like, there was a lot I had to cut out before the intro because like it was funny, yeah. but I'm like, there's like nine to 10 minutes worth of, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think people are going to listen to all this stuff, but he was entertaining. And you, then uh, you know, I think they may have like he was he was great though. Yeah, I'd love to have him back. Um, um the NK Jemison one was reckless eye b- 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 balling. Patrick, you can repeat that because I can't. Uh, reckless, reckless eyeballing. Oh, reckless eyeballing. Is that it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, especially when they talked about that. Um. It was, yes. uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I can't believe people are still that racist or racist at all. Not that racist, but still, yeah. it's so fucked up. We, I mean, I brought it up earlier, but I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, well, no. there are those who think <laughs> it's a thing. And, you know, but this, if you're not reading black authors because you feel like maybe you can't relate to the black culture or the black characters that may be in the book. I promise you, pick this up, read it. There's so much in these stories to relate to that are relatable to everyone on a human level. It doesn't matter what your background is. These are human stories. They, mm. There are things in each of these that we can relate to and they're energetic painting in strong solid reads each and every one of them even if you're that one person that's like yeah i didn't find anything to relate to but hey it was good cool because at the end of the day aren't we all looking for a good story i mean this is just a a who's who of who is out there right now and that you need to be reading who has been out there and who's on their way up. This has everyone in it and they all need to be read. Matter of fact, you should probably go buy everything. Yeah. Right now. Pause the episode. My other story. Yes. Just stop (laughs) what you're doing. Go out to the store right now. Buy it now. But But my my other story was the one, a bird sings by the etching tree by Nicole. Yes, Kanye's is that is that am I, I pronouncing that right? And I forget how you pronounce think it. Think so. We had her on, and after the episode, we actually had a a nice chat about what I took from her story, and I was mm-hmm. so happy to find out that I was I was spot on. But her story is just heartbreaking. Yeah, and it's a great story, and it's so wonderfully written. But there's so, this heartbreaking element in it that just makes you want to read the rest of it because you're like oh no (laughs) and this cycle is like happening between these two and yeah just well worth the read buy it read it recommend it to folks it's fantastic so that that was one of my other ones it's on my list nice there's an there's an mr patrick there's an episode that I want to throw out there. I'm not going to spend much time on it, but the hot iron and cold blood episode was the first time I was like an actual guest. And that felt weird. Like all the nice stuff. Like, I like it. I like being complimented. But um, after that, I think I just want people to say it online 
or like when I'm not in the room because it was too much. <laughs> like I love all those people. You don't want people talking about you online, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. <laughs> it's not nice, Patrick. <laughs> okay, well, I just thought that was that was interesting to experience that um, as a as a guest for once. Yeah, was, it was nice to have you on the other side of the fence. Yeah, and plus Rob, Robin, you kicked ass. Um, uh, as far as like hosts go, that was great. It's what we did. I know you guys did a great job. Um, is there any? Would you like to throw out one more book, Patrick? Yeah, I'll throw out one more book. I'm gonna go with the Changeling by Victor Laval, and oh, nice call. It's a great story, but specifically, what I like, what got me really hooked hooked Stephen to me was how he talks about. Um, and paraphrasing, he talks about how the new generation of a dad, basically a, a, a dad, most dads um, are just, they want to spend that time, the quality time with their kids. Whereas, uh, you know, like our parents' age would, typically the dad would go and work all the time and not, and the mom would do all the, everything, the house cleaning, the groceries, the taking care of the kids uh, which is fucked up in every way but like i can't imagine not like I, i'd rather be with my kids all the time and i could relate to that and i'm just thinking and this isn't a spoiler but when my kid if my kid was stolen and uh i had to hunt him down from some supernatural creature um i i don't know i don't know what how i'd react but like i i, I would feel like my love for the hobbit and just like other fictional stories i might be getting too invested in them um to the point where it's affecting my reality and my kid's still not here so it would i don't know uh, my head would break and uh victor is he's even t you know what that's a cool thing about the show like you love the books and then almost well all the time in, in our case uh you talk to the people and you're just like okay i love the books even more now yeah like, yeah that's what for the I'm just saying this for the listeners. I know you guys know, but with Peter Straub, like Coco, I loved it. And uh then talking to him, um, cemented it. And then the fact that he passed away a year later, just really it does your head in, it does your heart in when you you really love somebody and you don't have to know them for you can you can meet one person, you know, once in some cases, and you're like, I just click with them or I really love them or I appreciate them in like a friend way and uh if they go like you're never gonna be able to talk to them again so it's like i wouldn't have experienced any of this without the show or without you guys so it's uh i know that was two years ago but or three now you don't know yeah the whole thing's a wild experience so you name one more book man i'm getting lost in the sappy well really show. quickly i mean no we told you you weren't allowed to get sappy anymore and you fucking did it again <laughs> um but where i was gonna go before you went down that syrup trail yeah. um is I really loved the way that Victor talked about writing the changeling and yeah, I believe I'm going to paraphrase him and I hope I don't mess it up too bad, but I believe he talked about how he can't just tell one story and he can't just work in, you know, one genre slash idea. So the changeling is such a beautiful, like he says that's in all his work and you can see it in something like lone women, but I don't think it's as clear uh, cut as you see it in the changeling where you turn on a dime and it th there's not a second where you say well that's not really working for me he just it, it's masterful the way that he allows 
storyteller to take over at the expense of, you know, fuck genre at that point. Um, and it's just this beautiful blended thing uh, that doesn't read like anybody else could have written it. No, one um, more thing about the book is sure. I forgot to say in the first part is uh, if you, especially if you love books, it's about a person that is just, that's beca- that becomes their means of uh, selling books, hunting down rare books and selling them. That becomes his means of, uh, of making money. But like, that's, that's kind of the, well, your camera just flipped sideways. That <laughs> threw me off, but uh, it, it's, he, that could be so boring. Like that could, if you, if some people wrote that, that could be a really boring thing, especially if you don't like, if you like reading, but not to the point where you're like, I guess a nerd like us with that, but he does it really well where it's just like kind mm. of intense and it's kind of like live and die. And yeah, that's how he makes his money, but like it could still be told really boring and just like not interesting at all, but he just crushes it, man. He's a fucking good storyteller. Yeah. No, fabulous book. All right, so I'm going to do the same stupid thing I do every year. We've been doing this for four years, and every year I realize that we're going to have time to talk about maybe four books each, maybe five if we go really fast. So I say I'm going to write down like four or five books, and then I have 20. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to quickly go through a couple that I, I want to make sure, you know, if I were that person who makes like a top 10 list, people should know about. Uh, I want to throw out Small Mercies by Dennis Lehane. That was mm. one of my top few books of the year. Um, it's, you know, the, the guy does characters in just an unparalleled way. And this book in particular, it, it's kind of a theme of his work, but there's this love for Boston. But at the same time, he does not shy away from portraying like the truth of but Boston has done some fucked up things and has a very real racist history. And at some point we need to come to terms with that and, you know, really, really make some steps toward fixing it. Um, and I think small mercies more than any of his other books really kind of highlights that point that kind of like um, just not bold, bold isn't the right word, but unflinching again, look at, this is the way it was and that's fucked up um while still kind of making the city a character in the story uh i gotta throw out the shoemaker's magician by cena palayo mm. um pat i know you loved children of chicago and i oh, did yeah. too and this is better um <laughs> i haven't read that is, yet it's crazy oh, i haven't read that one yet it. um yeah. it, it's got an autistic point of view character which by Cena is done beautifully. Um, I, I loved it. Um, it it's it functions as this love letter to both horror fiction, horror film, film in general, and even kind of the like Joe Bob Briggsy uh, like horror anthology shows, um, while also being Chicago in its you know living and breathing Chicago um, as Cena does. Uh, all the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. Um, I I don't know if this is my favorite above Razorblade Tears, but it's close enough that I don't know. Um, and to read a new book by Cosby and say, geez, this might be his best one yet, that's a tough call to make because the last three books at least uh, are stunning. 
You know, mm-hmm. this is just this is somebody who is making their living writing now. And of all the people who do that, this guy deserves it because mm-hmm. he's got the talent. He's got the knack for it. Um, I would. All right. So Candace threw out desperate wishes earlier. She said, I, I love the way you said that that's kind of, you know, this is my voice and this is what I want to do with my fiction going forward. And I agree with that. But if I'm putting a Candace Nola book on my list, it's unmasked. Um, because mm. as much as I loved desperate wishes, and I think that you are absolutely dead on about the voice thing and about this is what you can do. And this is what we can expect going forward. Unmasked is the one that went even deeper for me and really sat with me for days and days, if not weeks after I finished reading it. So bravo. And I, and I do hope more people will go grab that one. Uh, City of Dreams and City in Ruins by Don Winslow, um, the cap trilogy of his career. Uh, if you read City on Fire, uh, City of Dreams is a an amazing, uh, you know, second in the trilogy to that. Takes it to an unexpected place and sets up the third one, and the third one doesn't disappoint at all. Uh, Freeburn by Drew Huff uh, is not out yet, but I think we've all read it. I know Patrick has. Yep, Candace has. And it's going to fuck some people up. Um, and the best part of that is when you read it, you're going to realize that Drew knew it when she was writing it. If it fucks you up, it's because Drew meant that to happen. Uh, and I think she's a name that we're going to see and hear a lot more of over the coming years. And the last one I want to throw out um, I had mentioned earlier that I couldn't make it to the rising together episode. And it was because I ended up uh, hurting my back and I ended up in the fucking hospital that day uh, with these crazy ass back spasms. And for the next like two weeks after that, I could not lay down for more than like an hour at a time. So I would, uh, you know, sleep for an hour and then I would have to just get up and walk. And that was the only thing that was keeping me remotely comfortable that and drugs. Um, and during that time I would be pacing the house, the silent house, everybody asleep at three in the morning, at five in the morning, at one in the morning. And I would be reading stories from John Langan's, uh, story collection, corpse mouth. And it's an unbelievably it's an unbelievable story collection anyway, but something about reading it in that in that altered state, uh, sleep deprived, middle of the night, you know, just with all that other stuff going on, catapulted it from hey this was really good to I'm it's gonna kind of stay with me for a long time so. People should read that because out of all the story collections of his I've read, I think that's my favorite. I don't know if they'll get the same experience, but take drugs and read Corpse Mouth is my <laughs> advice to the kids. Nice. Yeah, I'm uh, going to second. stop listing books now. <laughs> I'm going to second that about Candace's Unmasked book. That was just absolutely wonderful. It, it was really powerful stuff. I know that word's overused probably by me too, but... uh I loved it. That was wonderful. That was great. Um, what uh, the other one that you did, Baker's? Did I do that one this year? No, that was holy shit. That was last year. That was two anthologies yeah. ago. Holy crap! That was yeah. I read that. Well, I read it last year. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Never mind. Um, I'll just throw out a couple. 
Uh, Josh Mallerman's Spin a Black Yarn. That came out this year. That was a collection that he's just such a good storyteller. Uh, Nestlings by Nat Cassidy. Um, it felt like that would have been a book that was sitting by the uh, by a new IR11 book. Um, it's it's really phenomenal. Becoming the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar. He does metafiction thing where he inserts himself into the world of his serial killer story. And then the last one I'll say is uh, Paul Tremblay's A Head Full of Ghosts. I finally got around to reading that. Brennan they said that's one of his favorite books ever. Uh, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm really upset I didn't read that sooner. So holy fuck. That's a good book. Candace, what about you? Oh... I don't have a huge list. She thought we were going to stop asking her. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to stop asking me, but I will throw out a couple of more that I do think deserve to be read. And one of them, <laughs> um, we did an episode with, so that is going to be Snarl by John Bowden, yeah, yes. which led, led, led me to coin a new term, skin suit. Um, you're going to have to watch the episode if you want to know what that's about. Which is called skin suit. Skin but suit. You need to read, need to read Snarl by John Bowden, just unmatched, just, just, it's a quick read, it's a shorter month story, it's absolutely amazing. It made me come up with the phrase skin suit, I don't know what else to tell you, so <laughs> get that one. Um... The vowel thing we created by Robert Atone. Get that one. Um, Hungers as old as this land by Zachary Re Rosenberg. Hmm. Absolutely amazing. God, there's so many. Anybody know? Everybody knows it, but me by Megan St Stockton is a must read. Anything by Megan Stockton is a must read. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, there's one more that I want to mention, and I'm forgetting the title of it. Maybe one of you can help me out. Red Logo just came out with Red Logo. Yes, um, her new one, and I it, the title is just escaping. Is it in the excess of dark or the yes. collection? Okay, yes, she'll be on later. That year. one was amazing. It was a more recent read of mine, and forgive me for forgetting the title, um, but loved it. So, yeah, if you're not re reading her, please do. R Rowan Hill, her new one, also read her. So, She's I, I could recommend authors all day. Um, if you're not but you know what? I, I'm gonna put this out out there because I do know that we interview everyone and we kind of talk to everybody from the A-list all the way down to wherever we all fall in the order falls, the B list, <laughs> the C list, the XYZ list. I don't know. But if you're not reading some of these indie horror authors, please do. The, the range that is out here within this level of indie horror right now is absolutely incredible. There's something for everyone, whether you're into extreme or splatterpunk or bizarro or absurdist or surrealism or fever dreams, or you're going to find it here. And the amount of talent right now in the yeah. pool is just amazing. So I don't know. 
expose yourself a little bit more to the indie world and see what is out here because there are things that are being written here that you are not going to find on the bookshelves of Barnes & Noble. You're not going to find it in the mainstream world, at least not yet. I think we're making great strides in having more of our work there. But if you're a fan, if you're a reader, if you're a horror fan, come on over. Find <laughs> us because there's so much. It's just and, uh, so much that's just amazing. In so modern horror, Quality of writing does not equal quality of distribution. Yeah. We have two yeah. questions. One from Rex Stevens. You don't have to answer it because it doesn't seem like a spoiler. If you don't want it. But it says, so Candace had a little surprise on the Goodreads guest chat saying that Bishop, Casey, and Troy are returning. Any news or updates coming soon? Um, Part three will hopefully be out in late March, early April is our target date. Awesome. And it's not a spoiler at all. I have announced this a couple of times. There are going to be five of them. So mm-hmm. number three will be out then. And then we're looking to do uh, four and five, probably around that same time frame for the next year or two. Nice. So. Now is, is Mike on number three and will he be on four or five? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Mike That's is cool. on all of them. Yep. Then we have a question from some uh, knucklehead named Brennan LaFaro. Hi there, longtime listener. Would it be possible to have <laughs> would it be possible to have Patrick read the following as far as he can as far as he can? I'm that should try. be fast. That okay. Brennan can't spell. Okay. 33 thirsty, thundering, thoroughbreds thumped, Mr. Thurber on Thursday. And then there's one more. I did it. I nailed it. That's not bad. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> I did it. And me too. Lesser leather never weathered wetter weather better. How the fuck did I do that right the first time? I don't know. I'm kind Let's of go, baby. Yeah, me too. I, I would have messed both of those up. I can't say my name 90% of the time. So you're lucky uh, you didn't ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, they're I, fucked I, up, Brennan. I, 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 no, that, that's absolutely, I'm, I'm impressed. I am legitimately like dumbstruck impressed because I've seen you misspell the word the. Um, probably Often. on 20 occasions. <laughs> yeah, you're underselling it. So, do we have anything else to talk about, or are we gonna do the? Uh, well, I guess the the wrapping down. Well, there's always stuff to talk about. There's a million <laughs> books being released every single day. We can That's do true. this until midnight or one in the morning. Next time, I'll have a list. But I mean, uh, I think for about now, we're good. If we want our listeners to, you know, stay on and hang out. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so I'll skip the what are you reading part. Um, you think? <laughs> how about where can people follow you, Candace? Um, I live in Pittsburgh. So if you want to follow me, you can. Oh, oh let me see. Um, uncomfortablydark.com for the publishing house work and releases, the review platform, author interviews, all of that stuff. And personally, follow me. It's CandaceNolaAuthor.com. And you can also find me by that same name under all the social media platforms. Excellent. Brendan, where can people follow you? The main social media platforms, uh, anywhere I am, it's at Brendan LaFaro. If you search that and it doesn't come up, I'm not there. You can follow me at PR McDonough, except for Instagram, because I'm butthead. Hacked my account. So now I'm Pat R. McDonough. Uh, 
He wanted money. For I that. told you you can have your password back for 105 bucks. <laughs> 105. <laughs> That's for 100. I feel like that was not true. But anyways, you can follow the show whatever platform we're on. Dead Headspace or Dead Headspace Podcast depends on the platform. Uh, final thoughts, Miss Candice. I don't have none. As always, you know, this was fun. I think we just did like all the final thoughts. I guess part, I don't know. So. I'm just going through the questions. And it's just I... us. So hey, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk <laughs> to you. You know, thanks for all the nice words about me because you know I like to hear about me. But no, um, I, I think last season was great. That there were a lot of great episodes, a lot of fantastic authors on. There were so many amazing books that came out this this year. And to any publishing houses that are listening that send us ARCs, thank you 10,000 times and feel free to send me more because I love it <laughs> and I like getting packages in the mail. So <laughs> that's always a plus. So, yeah. that, that, that is a good point. I don't know why, but I've never thought of that to say that on there. Um, I I love that. And I never remember when we have one that's supposed to be sent. So like I can get the mail and it's not it's another book, like yeah. So yeah, it's fun. I get giddy when I see like Simon Schuster at Random House. So I'm like, I want to write for one of them one day. Yeah. Brennan, so. fun, final thoughts. Fair point. Del Rey, if you're listening, thank you for the <laughs> yeah, that's if you another need one. An unsolicited manuscript, I've got you. Um <laughs> ain't busy. Ain't busy. No, I, th- I think Candace has a good point. Uh usually final thoughts is to thank somebody for the time they spent with us. I will thank you two for hanging out on a Friday night. Uh, It's to remind people to read the book that we just talked about for an hour and a half. We just talked about like 770 books. So go back, listen and buy every one of them. Um, And beyond that, I mean, yeah, season four was excellent. If you missed any episodes, go back and catch them. Uh, I would even say maybe season three, do the same thing. Before that, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, like, please don't listen to the first probably 25 episodes of the show. Um, yeah, no, I'll leave it there. Patrick. Growing pains, man. We got to have them. <laughs> I, well, obviously, I want to thank you, too, because you guys made this better. And otherwise, I'd just be by myself. And uh, no one wants that. Not even myself. Uh, I got to hear myself all day. Fuck that. Um, and I just want to thank the people that, like, you know, after season three, I personally started noticing people outside of like our inner circle um, telling us randomly throughout the year that they like the show and it's just growing and like it, it's cool. It's, it, I'd rather this thing take 10 years and, you know, expand to a huge audience and blow up overnight because that don't happen. And Don Winslow actually does point that out a lot about his career and i i honestly like that because you learn a lot like if you take a lot of time a long time i meant and you get to experience it with your friends um i think we're having fun wherever it ends up it ends up but uh last year was fun i had a good time i can't believe we get to do this you know hopefully one day for a living but (laughs) i'm excited to see where season five goes and uh i want to thank the listeners and uh viewers to you know thanks for thanks for your time thanks for picking this show uh next episode is 233 with christopher rufty uh we're gonna be definitely talking about pillow face because that is i've only read the first one but 
Holy fuck, it's good. Um, and then Dark Autumn. That's the other one, right? Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Ooh wee. A little yeah. more confidence there, McDonough. Yeah, Dark Autumn. That's the one. That's fucking right. Um, it's it's well, less confidence, McDonough. Sorry, Dark Autumn. <laughs> you have made choices in podcasts. Thanks for picking us, y'all. Bye bye.